What's shaking, cats and kittens? This is Rob Lee from Truth in This Art, your favorite podcast. Every week, I help share the stories of artists, cultural leaders, and entrepreneurs. Small business is the backbone of a thriving community. So this month, I want to show some extra love to our presenting sponsor and small business, Double Dutch Boutique. For the holidays, remember to shop small, shop local. Double Dutch Boutique carries locally made in Baltimore vendors such as This Sporting Life, Creative King, Black Radish Handmade, and so much more. Head on over to 1021 West 36th Street in Hamden or on the web at www.doubledutchboutique.com and tell them Rob Lee sent you. What's shaking cats and kittens? Rob Lee here, and today's episode of The Truth in His Art is sponsored by a new online art platform called Fire and Bliss Creative. Fire and Bliss is the first art platform that I've seen that focuses on the art of the LGBTQ plus BIPOC and ally artists exclusively. And I have to say, the pieces are amazing. Whether you're looking specifically to add diverse art to your collection, or you have a space that needs a bit of updating, every single print on fireandbliss.com has been created by a diverse, independent artist who maintains full control over their art and their profit. I worked with Fire and Bliss to curate a collection of my favorite pieces, like Somewhere Blue by Wodrich Francois. Shop my favorites at fireandbliss.com backslash truth and get 20% off your first purchase at Fire and Bliss. Again, that's fireandbliss.com backslash truth and use the code truth for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to The Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I am interviewing the Director of Artistic Partnerships and Innovation at Baltimore Center Stage, also a playwright, director, performer, community organizer. Please welcome Annalisa Diaz. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. It's great to be here. Um, uh, yes, I feel like I'm, as I go further and further down this line of performance-oriented guests, I'm getting classier by the moment. So, so thank you. I mean, I'm low You're rich. welcome. I'm glad that we can all provide that for your life. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, like, look, if if anything comes out of this podcast, it's me stealing from people who are more talented than I am. It's like, yeah, tell me. So, if you were to do this podcast, how would you do it? Oh, that, nice. <laughs> So as we start off, for those who are undipped, give us those vital stats. Describe your work and how did you get involved with um, BCS? Okay, um, this is always a fun question, or <laughs> it's like a journey to try and answer this question because the title that you listed off, which is Director of Artistic Partnerships and Innovation, is a title that we kind of made up, and and like nobody else in the American theater has this this job title, and so it can it's exciting and it can be difficult to explain <laughs> um, because there's like no one, it's like nobody knows what it is. Um, so my job portfolio at, at Baltimore Center Stage includes new work development, mm -hmm. which means that I am one of the people responsible for um, meeting with artists who have new projects that they are working on and they're looking for a home for the project, whether it's a play or a musician or a puppeteer or anyone. Yeah. Or Podcaster. A podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, talking with artists and creative folks about the work that they're doing and figuring out ways that we can leverage 
BCS's assets, whether that's like our literal building or our artistic team or our development team or various relationships that we have with other organizations to try and um, develop the project that the artist has in mind. And that can be like, that can look like us producing someone's work, or it could look like a reading, or it could look like um, finding a different um, programming stream to support that artist, or it could look like me or someone else on the artistic team introducing them to another theater or to a podcast or to, you know, other organizations that we're in touch with. And this is why, and so instead of, new work development, which some people in the American theater have a title that is like director of new work or new work this, new work that. Sure. Instead of that, we talk about artistic partnerships. So we're trying to really partner with artists to make their work, uh, to like enable them to do what they want to do. Um, and then the other piece of my program portfolio is our civic programs. And this is really thinking about Baltimore Center Stage as a civic, a part of the civic fabric of Baltimore City. So rather than just like an arts organization that exists in a vacuum that like does its fancy, it's like classy plays. <laughs> um, and then that's all it does. Like we're trying to think about how do we actually position Baltimore Center Stage as part of the community that it serves. So that means everything from like, we're hosting a Red Cross blood drive in a couple of months. Yeah. Um, next week is the, our, we have a Baltimore butterfly session coming up, which is a, it's a civic dialogue series. And it will, this Baltimore butterfly session on February 28th is in partnership with Healing City Baltimore, which is like a coalition of organizations and individuals who are thinking through how, how to enable trauma-informed care mm -hmm. to like those practices to be, um, to like infiltrate different city agencies and not just like social work, right? Which is kind of where we expect trauma-informed care to be, but like, what would a trauma-informed health department look like? What would a trauma-informed Baltimore city transportation department look like? Do you know what I, like actually yeah. everything. Um, so anyway, I share all that to say that there's a lot of different aspects of the work that I do, but um, the heart of it is partnering with artists and partnering with folks in Baltimore City to really leverage the assets that Baltimore Center Stage has and to try and make it work for everyone. And, and that's really important because I think often people aren't sure like how to get their ideas out there and really... Yeah how to, to do these things, like what's the next step? And I know that that I run into it and one of the unique spots that I find myself in as I was maybe kind of talking about a little bit earlier of being able to connect dots of like, I've had this guest on, you know what, let me hit you back because this will make sense to do this and right. connect in those ways. And hearing that that's at the root of, you know, partnership and really working within the community in this kind of civic space makes a lot of sense. It's, it's great. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, uh, I will also just say briefly that the other thing that is a little bit different about my role at Center Stage, different from the way that other theater organizations do it, is that having civic programming and new work live with the same person mm -hmm. actually allows me to do what you just said, which is connecting dots yeah. in a way that often when you have somebody who's in charge of like 
community engagement or whatever that is called outreach, (laughs) whatever that gets called, having that with one person and having the like real art (laughs) with another person, um, it bifurcates some of, and, and like it bifurcates and it also tends to um, reinscribe white supremacy because often the like quote unquote real art and yeah. those resources tend to go to white men um, yeah. and the like community engagement or outreach or whatever civic sometimes people call it um, that that tends to be the like BIPOC communities yeah. and so like having it all intentionally together allows me to connect dots in ways that some of my colleagues just can't. Totally. It's like, hey, white guys, here's your chance. And others, here's some crumbs and enjoy. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) So why, why was, why did theater in in a more macro way kind of like pique your interest and and bring you in as that medium of expression? Because you're doing a lot of different things within theater. So, and, you know, obviously there's a first love there, right? So what was it the, the, the chosen medium of expression for you? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think I would say um, I do a lot of different things, actually. And some people are like, you have to tell me what, like, what's your primary discipline? And, And people often are like, you do theater the most, so therefore you're a theater artist. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm, I'm now branching into, I'm writing a screenplay right now, you know, and like, I started, like, my performance training is actually in physical theater and dance. And like, mime (laughs) and like some puppetry do you know what I mean and like um actually my first uh first love if you will first performance love was was song was singing um and I trained as a um in classical opera (laughs) in voice (laughs) um so, so I think of myself actually more as um I've been referring to myself recently as a transdisciplinary artist and I don't, by that, I don't mean multi, multidisciplinary. Like, it's not that I do like multiple things. It's that when you take the sum total of all of the different ways that I practice my artistry, it actually transcends, I think, if this doesn't sound too academic, I think it trans, (laughs) I think it transcends like any one particular discipline. So whatever I'm like in whatever media or uh, way mode of, practice I'm doing, it's, it's all sort of connected to, um, what is it all connected to? What's at the heart of my artistry? I think I'm always grappling with, um, relationships to land, Mm -hmm. um, relationships to boundaries. (laughs) Um, my, my own family, my dad's family is from Goa, which is a former Portuguese colony on the Southwest coast of what is now called India, which is why my last name is Portuguese. <laughs> um, it really, interesting. Conf- it very much confuses everyone, but that confusion, which is like, I've lived my whole life being like confusing people. <laughs> and, um, I think that that has caused me to really grapple with the ways that our society wants to put us all in boxes. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what I, like, it goes back to, I'm, don't tell me what discipline I'm in. Like I transcend the disciplines. Like I'll do whatever I want. Like I'll be whoever I need to be. I'll use whatever media I want to use to communicate what I'm trying to communicate. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think a lot of what I'm doing is grappling with like how, 
how do we break out of the boundaries or the boxes that society wants to put us in? Totally. Um, and I did that a little bit too. I'll, I'll admit, and I was like, I was like, hold up, this doesn't connect. What's up with the name? And I know. And then, and then, <laughs> yeah. and, and the thing is, this is how like uncrappy I am. I, I guess what I aspire to be. I court myself, and I was like, yeah, get rid of that false idea. That's wrong. That's old. And it's just like dive back in because part of it was, I was like, hold up, go up. What the? F-? And, and I had yeah. to go in yeah. and look. I was like, oh, all right, then. I was like, cool, because um, I've gotten the other version of it. Like I've gone to like interviews and things like that. And they're like, cause I don't use my full name in this. Uh-huh. And I have a very, very European sounding name. And they're like, oh, sure. who are you? Are you from the mail room? I was like, no, now I'm applying for the interview for the, okay. the IT job. And it's like, oh, hmm, wonder why you were in a suit. <laughs> Literally. Oh my God. I mean, mm-hmm. also it's hilarious to me too, but yeah. it's just like, yeah, this yeah. is what happens. This is what happens when people are putting you in the box or it's like, oh, you're an athlete, right? It's like, no, I'm just tall. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're a documentarian? Like, eh, you know. Mm-hmm. So I've read that your work includes, and you've touched on it, like you're, you're doing this, you're doing screenplays. Um, so short film, theater, um, just to be very like simple and very like, you know, small, I guess, right there in those sure. two areas. Uh, what are some of the challenges distinct to those mediums and how are they maybe similar? Because people would think like, oh, that's the same thing, right? Which is, you know, one is on the stage and one is not. Like, yeah. Nah. So how are they yeah. similar? How are they like, like challenging in, in different ways? Hmm. I mean, I'm asking myself that question frequently these days. <laughs> um, it, I think it's true that in some ways, writing for theater and writing for film or even TV, like some of it, some of the principles are the same, which is like, how do you create compelling characters and compelling situations that are that are like interesting enough to hold people's attention? Like that stuff feels the same. Um, but the the media of film, which um, I, I get it. It's okay, so I'm going to have an argument with myself right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because this is a first. <laughs> I know, I know. Because So, like, there's one piece of me that is, like, obviously film is the more visual media, right? Like, you have to, as a writer, you have to describe um each of the images that you want to convey to the audience and like the director and the production team will figure out how to translate those visual those visuals that you're writing into like actual recorded film and then there's another part of me as a theater maker who's like yeah and the people who write boring theater are are the ones that are not activating all of the possibilities of theater as a discipline and like theater i think at its best is profoundly visual and profoundly like evocative and mm-hmm. um, activates the imagination in exciting ways. So I'm like, I don't know if that's actually the distinction. Um, and I, anyway, I've been having an argument with myself a lot recently about what what actually is the difference. Do, does the difference actually does it matter? Like, is maybe the difference um, or a difference is mostly in the industry and the way that these industries talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, who is like, how, like the timelines for how projects happen. I'm like, actually, I don't know if it has so much to do with the art and the aesthetics as it does with like how things physically get made. Maybe that's the real difference. 
I want I want to throw this in there real quick before I forget because the I'm, I'm thinking about it now. The last show that I saw was actually at Center Stage, and oh really? Uh, it was Fun Home. Um, so that goes back a couple years ago. Oh and yeah, I wasn't on staff then, so I didn't get to see it. It was great. I was in the front row, and I just uh-huh. like as you were, you know, kind of describing like um, just like how. Th- like theater can be very evocative and visual and all of that. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Cause I was sitting there like arrested and especially I was in the front row. I was like, I, I can't be bored at all. And, yeah, yeah. and it's like, this is, this is dope. And it's like, oh, okay. And sometimes I think when you're, because we're so used to watching all of these sometimes superficial elements in like film, we diminish what we're seeing on stage. And it's like, no, that was just done well. That was just mm-hmm. done right that you don't even notice it. Yeah. So, um, and, and also looking at certain films sometimes and like, no, this was done like a play. This was mapped out like a play. Like, um, what was it? Um, I really liked it last, I think it was last year, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and especially because it is a play. And mm-hmm. uh, looking at it, I was like, oh, no, it's just like three sets. We're, we're done here. And it's just like the actors are doing work. And that's, yeah. and, and yeah. that's the things that I'm appreciating. Speaking of which, what is the first hook for you for like, let's say a, a new play or what have you? Is it is it an image that's relating to when you're, you're reading over it? Is it like the theme of the play or is it a specific like character that you're like, you know what, this is going to be good in terms of whether you're going to be in a production or whether you're going to check out a production? What's that hook for you? Hmm. Probably asking the hard hitting questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know if there's one single, like, I think there's, there are multiple things that, that make sure. me interested. Um, I think there are certainly artists who I'm like always interested in their work. And so like, no matter like, no matter what Lady Dane Figueroa DD does, I know I'm going to be interested. I know like, she's not going to let me down. So I will follow her off a cliff. <laughs> um, uh, and so I think who is involved is one thing for me, like like that is certainly a hook. Um, in terms of like just the subject matter, um, or maybe it's not even about subject matter. Um, yeah, I think I'm interested in people who are, are like, uh, I don't like the words I'm about to use. Uh, what's a better word? <laughs> I was going to say something like doing new things, but I'm like, what does that even mean? Who cares? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how to describe it. I think my brain just stopped. <laughs> so you had a fight with yourself so far. and you. I had a fight with myself. My brain <laughs> just stopped. It's going really well. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but I, I, I uh, and, and, you know, this is padding, this is stalling. But uh, also going, going back to that previous point, like I kind of, hold on to as, as a person, as an audience. And, um, the closest thing that I've done to like anything in theater was I had a drama class in high school and mm-hmm. I did some like soliloquy or what have you, or some monologue. And I was like, yeah, yeah thing about and it was literally lyrics from a ghost face killer song that I somehow turned into like prose. So that, that happened. That's and, amazing. And, uh, I think it was all I got is you by the way. So, uh, and, um, but I think, it's almost the way I look at like live music. I think the element of like seeing a performance live that, mm-hmm. that automatically is elevated to me. 
And part of it may be because I haven't seen a lot of it that I'm like, oh, okay, this is good. And I think as I go to more, see more theater, see more like stuff done on stage, it's like, okay, no, I can have a little bit more taste in it. But by going there and seeing like, oh, you are working. There is like, you know, there's a lot of not, not a lot of attempts to mess up. Like, yo, can I do another take? Like, no, you better get this right. You know, yeah, it's more yeah. of that. And I always look at the degree of difficulty too. Um, mm-hmm. My partner, her, you know, she's a theater kid or what have you, and her dad was a playwright. So that's where I get any class from. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to this show. I was like, but is it good, though? She's like, put on a shirt. We're going. I was like, all right, then, cool. <laughs> so that's, that's well, a part of it. Just to say, I don't, I like, I've heard you say a couple of times theater and class. And I'm, a, I'm like, how do we break that? I know that that's a thing in the world that people are like, oh, I'm going to the theater. So therefore I'm class. Like, do you know what I mean? There's some like classist element to it. it And I'm really interested in how, like, how do we actually break that uh, stereotype? Because I think the more that people associate theater with like class, the more people it excludes, you know? And, and I don't, I mean, at the same time, here I am arguing with myself again. At the same time, <laughs> at the same time, like I want people to come to Baltimore Center Stage and feel good about them. So I feel like excited to be there. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I but but I, I don't want it to feel like elitist, you know? I I always look at and this is gonna be a ridiculous comparison. <laughs> always look at what can I drink here? What what can I eat here? That's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, okay, so I can do beer, cool. Like no yeah, raisinets. That's really funny. I can't do raisinets. <laughs> that's that's the way I do it. But yeah, I think when I was younger, um, and I, I, you're right, because um, when I was younger, uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, projects kid or what have you, and we would have just different opportunities to go to theaters, kids. Yeah, yeah. And but it was you definitely one of those vibes of we're working with the inner city youth and I was oh, like, yeah, uh, of course, of course. but I really appreciated it. And because I think like early, early on, and I learned this from, I think you might know this person. Uh, we'll, we'll talk off mic about it, but I, you definitely know this person. Um, she mentioned during an interview I did with her on um, Paige Hernandez. She mentioned during an interview oh, I did Paige, with her. Yeah. She was like, so you were on stage before, right? And I was like, no. And I was like, well, I was like a master of ceremonies at like four for like my graduation. She was like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> so kind of going into it as a kid and going and, pre- and appreciating like people are on stage doing their thing, emoting and all of these different things. And just, it works really well. And I was like, this is a production that really these things separate don't really like work as well, but together without, some of these elements we're used to seeing in like film, it's like, oh, this is fire. This is dope. And being mm. being able to appreciate it at a, at an early age. And as I've gotten older and having more resources and quote unquote more culture, I find myself being away from it more, which doesn't make sense. And I feel like that classes element that you were describing is definitely there. I can't wear my Carhartt shirts to, to, to the theater. They won't let Why? me in. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's like my Raisinets thing. What's oh. the, wait, what's the Raisinets thing? Oh, like what snacks I can eat at the... Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that's funny. That, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, the that's a thing or what have you. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think you're right that that notion has to kind of like go because it excludes people and it even excludes the people and what type of stories that are being told. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Because, you know, like you, this, this city is a very... 
it's it's a city that's more diverse than it gets credit for sometimes, and that has to be reflected in the type of content that's coming out of here. You can't have mm. a city that's over sixty percent black, and then it's like, hey, this is a great show done by this white dude. Like that's great, but also I don't know if it's indicative of what's going on here. But hey, what do I know? I'm a black guy wearing a Carhartt shirt. <laughs> 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 so, so going back, I'll get off my soapbox now. So, um, tell me. Oh, about, you're, oh, by all means, stay on the soapbox. I'm here for it. <laughs> so, tell me, uh, just just people are like, I'm I'm canceling my uh, my scheduled episode with you. No longer <laughs> interested. Tell me about um, ground uh, water arts. Oh yes, groundwater arts. Um, groundwater arts is a collab. It's an artist collaborative, and the co-founder so i it's the oh my gosh wow it's an organization that i co-founded with tara moses who is seminole and muskogee um ronnie panoy who is laguna pueblo in cherokee and then anna lathrop who is a longtime collaborator of mine um and ronnie has since taken a position as the director of artistic programming over at arts emerson in boston so she's taken a little bit of a step back but tara anna and i are still running the organization and we we work in a few different ways um we do consulting we do um we produce our own creative projects and then we do community building and all of it is tied together um by the fact that our work centers around climate justice um so we're trying to think about ways that arts organizations can um can be of service and can help to transform um, not just the the art sector, but like the like broader society, right? Because we're inside of a climate crisis right now. Uh, yes. um, so like how are arts organizations using our position as storytellers, as world builders to reshape the world that we are currently in and to make it better? That's great. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So I have one more question before I get to my rapid fire questions that people just really, they get tight with me afterwards. They're like, look, I thought we were friends and you're just a dick. I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> um, so be because, you know, as I was saying earlier, it's about gems, right? It's about stealing. It's, ab it's about sharing rather. It's about gems. Um, so uh -huh. what advice would you give someone who's like, wanting to go in go into like theater in, a, in in the broadest way whether it be an actor a playwright direct what is that unifying like 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 trait or that unifying piece of advice you would give someone who's interested in going in the theater and isn't sure if they should even look at it well i think anyone who is even interested should certainly look at it like i i um back to your point earlier about um like growing up and not knowing or like I, like the thing of theater feeling like maybe it wasn't for you. I felt that too. I always thought theater was for white people. So I was like, like I even, when I went to grad school, I went to grad school thinking that I would go and get a PhD in theater and like teach at a university because even in grad school, I thought that professional theater was for white people. Like I had no idea. Um, and so I share that to say anybody who is, interested like there there's certainly a, a position for you somewhere in the american theater um and i think the thing to keep in mind there is is like really find your people 
And, and, and what I mean by that is find people who share values with you and who want to do the same kind of work as you. And when you find those people, like that will make everything so much easier. And, and like find your people could be a bunch of people who are like, I, I am only interested in commercial Broadway, whatever. And I'm like, that is the thing that is going to make my, like my little weird heart shine. <laughs> Although Broadway is not super weird. That's like not right. Like there could be people who, who are like, uh, especially here in Baltimore, there's a lot of puppetry people. So if, if you're like, I really just want to build crankies, like a cranky, do you know what a cranky is? Uh, explain it for the fine folks. I oh my might God, know. You got to yeah. know what a cranky is. So a cranky is a type of puppet theater that is like, uh, like a scroll of a very long scroll of paper Okay. that you crank the scroll and it makes the paper, uh, move. Really? So when you crank huh. it, there's like a store, there's a narrative that you get to watch as an audience member, you get to watch go by. And then usually what happens is people will shine, will backlight it. Mm-hmm so that they can use hand puppets and and do like shadow puppetry behind the scroll of paper. So not only is the scroll moving, but then you're seeing puppets move um, throughout the story as well. It's very amazing. There's actually always, there's an annual Cranky Festival at Creative Alliance. Um, It's very awesome. You should check it out. I will. (laughs) Um, But right, like the Cranky theater community is a community. (laughs) Like those are people that found their people and like they are, it's so joyful and it's so wonderful. Um, and that, that, that's my piece of advice. Find your people and like, do what you want to do with them and, and don't, don't feel beholden to systems. Well, thank you. That's, that's helpful. I think, uh, and that's the thing that we, a lot of times miss. I knew that for a long time, just outside of doing the podcast, but just being out there and being kind of a, a creative adjacent and hanging out with people. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know who my people are. And just living, a, I was living a very broke life that I romanticized. I was like, yeah, man, kind of living this artist lifestyle, man. Basically, I just <laughs> didn't have a, I didn't have a clock or a calendar I was really following. I was just like, yeah, you know, just kind of hang out late, do what I do. I, yeah. I, I fashioned myself as like a, a stand-up comedian. I only had to like go to work at like 9 p.m. That was kind of my energy. Nice, nice. And, now, and, but I didn't really connect with anybody. So mm. there was not much collaboration and so on. So once I got to doing this, and I was still podcasting at the time, but once I got to doing this and being able to connect more with people in the in the city and kind of being connected to different pockets of like, who are the players, who's doing good work and getting to know, it's like, oh, I'm a part of this community now. Right, right. And um, going to different events, especially these public facing things like, oh, I'm being invited now. This is great. These I found yeah. my people. So yeah, it's yeah, a good feeling. Right. That's awesome. Now, I have five rapid fire questions for oh you. Oh God, I'm nervous. I, I I hope I've impressed upon you how how much of a good person I am <laughs> before I get to these one. No. You're really I hope that you're overselling this. I I stalk the internet. I look for everything I can and there are sometimes there are questions. Uh Rapid fire. So these are gonna be as brief as we can make them, just because of the nature of rapid fire. Um what is your favorite travel destination? Oh yeah, so rapid fire. Now I have to think about this. What's my favorite travel destination? Uh... <laughs> um... Or last place you traveled, if that helps. 
I know. I was like, but the last play, I really, I, I just went to LA. Okay. Um, and I was about to say, like, my, I really liked that trip. But then I was like, LA can't be my favorite travel destination. <laughs> yeah. That's some nonsense. <laughs> but I really had a good time in LA. I hadn't been there in a couple of years. And I have a lot of friends who live out there. And um, I went to Laguna Beach for the first time. And Laguna Beach is very beautiful. Uh, it's like very bougie out there, but it's very beautiful. Okay, well, let's, let's, we're going to go with L.A. We're going to go with de facto L.A. Uh, okay, next one. That's such a nonsense answer. Oh, oh. Los Angeles. Oh, my God, that's embarrassing. We, we love L.A. here. I mean, um, I went to my, <laughs> my fake Japanese trip out there. It was the first time. It was technically Long Beach. But um, it was – and that was the first time I'd been out there. Uh, it was um, – Japanese pro wrestling that was here. Um, it was in, in LA. It's the first time in their 45 year history that they were in the US. So I was able to go to that show. Oh, wow. And then it was Anime Expo weekend. And me and my boy hung out in Little Tokyo like a lot. So I was like, yeah, I feel awesome. like I'm getting all of the fake vibes. The only thing that was regrettable about it was I had bad sushi. Not that I got sick or anything, but just the oh, sushi well. was just below standard. And I was like, look, you guys, I can't, East Coast sushi can't be better than West Coast sushi. So tighten it up. <laughs> Okay, next question. What is something that's non-work related, so outside of the many things that you do, that brings you joy? Mm -hmm. That I enjoy? That, that, brings you, that brings you joy. That brings me joy. Um, I recently bought a house. and um, Thank you, thank you. And I am very excited to plan my garden. <laughs> and I'm like going to plant vegetables and herbs and all kinds of flowers. Like I'm very excited about this garden situation. Okay. That's good. That's good. What makes for a great audition? Oh, I hate auditions. I don't know how to answer this question. Auditions are the worst. I think they're actually like one of the worst parts of the industry. Like, how do you meet a person in 90 seconds or less? It's like, and, and like judge their skill. I think it's terrible. This is online dating you're also describing. <laughs> I, see, also why I hate online dating. It's all the worst. <laughs> It's like, hey, how did you get? Nah, you suck immediately. Right. Terrible. It's so bad. How do you build real relationships? I don't know. Ask a casting director. They're better at that question than I am. Um, okay. Got two more. Um, what is your favorite spot in Baltimore? And that can be however you wanted to deem it, whether it be, hey, I like this park. Hey, I like this restaurant. Hey, I like this bar, whichever. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite spot or one of your favorite spots in Baltimore? Um, I think... For now, I will say um, Druid Hill Park. I Before I bought this house, I was living, I spent most of the year 2020 into 2021 in over in Reservoir Hill. Mm -hmm. And I lived like a block away from Druid Hill Park. So in the height of all the lockdown stuff, I, the way that I got out of the house was to go on long walks around Druid Hill Park. And so it like preserved my sanity through the height of the pandemic. I dig it, I dig it. That's great. Uh, last one I have, um, I read about a thing um, involving flowers after a show. So why should you never give a performer flowers before a show? Wait, what? I don't know the answer to this. Oh, it's something like this, a sign of bad luck if you give a performer flowers before show. Oh, is it? Apparently, it's like uh, F off. It's kind of like, screw you. I hope you do I that. I didn't know that. Wow. I don't hope I've never done that to anyone before. As, as a result, I have started to do it. And like, hey, man, here's some posies. Great show. Hope you do well. Oh, my God. <laughs> that That's so, so, so mean. Um, 
So that's pretty much everything that I had, all the questions that I had. And um, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast. And I want to invite you to tell the fine folks to check out pretty much shameless plug, whatever you want to plug. But thank you for coming on to the podcast. So plug away. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, I mean, I would say like anyone, like check out the Center Stage website. And we have a whole ton of stuff that's coming up in the next several months at Center Stage. Um, Much of it is free or you can look at... um, there's like discounted tickets and stuff and memberships that are on our website. Um, and they're very cheap. Like I'm talking, you can get a membership to center stage for as little as like $10 a show. It's, it's yeah. Like you should really know about this. Um, and, uh, with groundwater arts, um, we haven't announced this publicly, but I'll tell you now (laughs) heard it here first. Um, we're going to announce it soon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we're going to be producing, through a weekend of three plays by Tara Moses in at the Pine Ridge Reservation out in South Dakota. And that'll be in June. So we're gearing up for that, um, that production over the summer and it'll be like very exciting. So um, I'm super excited about that. And if you have any listeners in South Dakota, they'd be very welcome to come. Check oh, we it have, out. We have a ton. We have it'll a ton be at the Oglala Lakota art space in at the end of June. <laughs> All of the South Dakota listeners. Yeah. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> um, and um, social media, anything along those lines? I mean, I'm on social media. Fair enough. <laughs> it's it's usually if you just look up Annalisa Diaz, you'll find me. All right. So I guess that's that. Um, so uh, for Annalisa Diaz, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. Uh, you just got to look for it. <laughs>